Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to the Gen CEOs podcast. Today on the show, I'm joined by Nick Agiloni and Nick Guillen, co-founders of Truff. Truff is a truffle hot sauce brand that's well-known in celebrity and streetwear circles for its elevated brand, design, and of course, flavor. Nick and Nick are also both Forbes 30 Under 30 honorees. Today on the show, we're discussing how they built Truff from an Instagram page, what CPG brands can learn from media companies, and the other social platforms where Truff is seeing success. Thanks for joining me, you guys, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks for having us. Um, so this is going to start, you know, probably where where most of these interviews probably start for you guys. Uh, just just kind of dive into how you guys met, um, and if there are any like past projects that you guys worked on together, what were those? Yeah. So Nick and I we we met in college um, through mutual friends, and you know we instantly started talking about ideas and different business ventures. Um, that we were both working on. Nick at the time in college was developing a, a powdered beverage brand and I had you know, a hat company uh, that was built on e-commerce and a lot of social media and digital marketing. Yeah, I think, I think so when Nick and I kind of became friends in college, um, we, I feel like everything we did business related, we kind of traded traded cards on just um you know even things as simple as just like studying social media sending each other things look what's working for this brand look what's not they should do it like that just things like that and then we did as nick mentioned have our own ventures you know i had a, had a powdered beverage brand um in college that you know nick helped out with and then nick had a hat company as well that i kind of dabbled with so we just kind of um always you know crossed paths everything business related and um, you know, there are other little side ventures too, but yeah. I'd say those are the most notable and, you know, whether it's an official business or not, we were nonstop, you know, corresponding and talking shop on everything business related for about four years prior to, you know, Truff ever being a thing. Your Instagram handle is at sauce. When did you guys uh, initially get that Instagram handle? So we got that account, um, I think in the earlier part of 2015. Um, and, you know, as Nick said, we were immersing ourselves in social media and we were really trying to understand, you know, this behemoth that is now Instagram. Um, and in these early days of Instagram, we saw a lot of brands that were, you know, growth hacking their way, um, acquiring customers and building their brand online, which, you know, we were very fascinated by. When you when you got the account um, and started to grow it, was it really a, like a full time job that you guys were posting on this account? The content that you were uh, to focus on growing it, like interacting with other accounts and posting every day, or was it still kind of like a side project, just kind of like post and forget about it? Like, what was your interaction with it then? Um, it was pretty active. I mean, we had just graduated from college, both of us, and. Um, I was working at a restaurant and Nick was driving Uber and we both kind of wanted to, you know, start our own business as we had been trying to do for, you know, years prior. And so, you know, when Nick got this sauce account, we saw this as an amazing opportunity to build out a platform. Um, we weren't sure what the platform was going to turn into, but we took it very seriously. I mean, we were posting three, four five times a day, um, tagging a bunch of accounts, commenting on posts. Um, you know, doing the, the general growth hacks that go into, and this was 2015, so the way you would treat Instagram then is probably different than you would now. Um, but it was very, 
very active and we spend a lot of time doing it and you know it's, it sounds easy like just make posts but in reality it's probably like a six seven hour a day thing in addition to our actual you know jobs that we are working before we get into like how that evolved into truff uh like you just said how you treated instagram back then is different than how you would treat it now um and I feel like this building a media brand um, and building an audience up right now before trying to launch product is kind of a playbook that a lot of people are taking. So how would you suggest someone try to build uh, an, an account now just through Instagram before, you know, extending into other uh, maybe like CPG or a larger media company or whatever they may do? So on on Instagram now, you know, the landscape has continued to evolve um, and, you know, from a brand perspective, I think the brands that I kind of looked up to and the brands that I get inspiration from are the ones that are putting out content that isn't transactional. It's content that stimulates viewership's eyes. They're wanting to share content with their friends. There's multiple content variations that they're putting out. You know, the last thing somebody wants to see if they're following a brand account is product shot, product shot, product shot in their face, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. I think it's trying to create these really cool visual experiences and you know, you could do that in a, in a variety of, of different ways. I'd also add that I think it also depends on the nature of you know, the account you're building, you know, is it a media account? Is it a CPG brand? Is it, you know, a podcast audience? Is it a clothing brand because I think that definitely matters you know what you're actually presenting to the world you know and based on what it is it might change how you choose to present it yeah so when you guys you know prior to um, launching the hot sauce what type of content were you posting as far as I understand it was just general kind of like foodie type content and shots it was a it was a variation of um curated content from, you know, rappers that just looked like cool and like saucy, um, people in pop culture eating food, hot women with food, food porn shots that just made your mouth water. Um, and it was just a very well curated feed of visually stimulating content. And it wasn't like, you know, the same thing over and over and over again. It was mm -hmm. three posts a day, different variations. And we took a very, you know, curated and strategic approach to the way we positioned it. It was it was oftentimes things that we considered saucy as like the, as like the criteria. Yeah. So as you're seeing the follower count, you know, tick up and up, um, I'm sure that you guys had this conversation at some point and correct me if I'm wrong, but like there's this path A to, you know, build it out as a media brand or, or path B, which is the one you took go into something like CPG and build a CPG brand. Why did you ultimately pick path B over path A? So I would actually say there was a path C, which we looked closely at, and it was actually a hybrid where we wanted to kind of have this complex-esque media platform, but also have, you know, merch and a sauce to be like, you know, metaphors for the brand. Um, that was kind of early on before we really refined our, our idea, but you know, there was a time where we said, hey, you know, these, these eyeballs are great. Why would we stop stop building them? But I think along the way, we kind of really looked at, you know, hot sauce in general. And we found out that there there was an opportunity to, um, 
you know, create uh, a luxury experience in the form of a hot sauce and, you know, market that in an attainable digital but still luxe lifestyle way. And so that's kind of when we really went down that rabbit hole. Would you say that when you first started the account, you were trying to grow it to ultimately um, to be able to sell a product or, you know, a lifestyle to the followers? Or do you think that if you're, you know, if you're starting off like that in that mindset, do you think you've already lost? Yeah, I'd say you already lost. I mean, I don't think we were like, hey, what can we sell here? It was what can we build? And, you know, it started off as great content um, and things that, you know, curated content, though, things that we thought would fit the word sauce. And it evolved into the opportunity to actually make a sauce as a testament to this account. And then, you know, taking that a step further is what type of sauce? How do we want to position it? How do we want to make it? How do we want to package it? Um, but it was never the goal to just sit there and sell something. And that still isn't the goal. What kind of research or insights did you use to settle on a hot sauce in part- and in particular truffle hot sauce? I think when we were thinking of, you know, a product we could sell, we went with what was most obvious to us, um, which at the time was, you know, hot sauce, the product category, um, and the market was on, you know, the uptick and it was on fire, no pun intended. And when we, when we looked deeper at the hot sauce category, we saw so many different opportunities. We didn't see a premium luxury hot sauce brand that existed on the marketplace. We didn't see any hot sauce brand that really understood social media. And we didn't really see any hot sauce brand take a direct-to-consumer approach. A lot of these traditional brands on the market were built in retail. And they never really had that you know, emotional connection built with their customers from the beginning. Yeah, let's let's dive a little bit into that like more emotional connection with your customers. How were you interacting with your Instagram community throughout all this? So, I mean, I think from launch it it starts with like the voice of the brand, but also, you know, the founders kind of being in the weeds. You know, when we started and launched the brand, it was Nick and I managing the social. It was us talking directly to our customers, us getting feedback on, you know, the content we were putting out, really diving into what was striking, you know, the right chords with our customers and really just taking an authentic approach to communicating with everyone. Um, We weren't, you know, trying to put up this image of us being some big corporate hot sauce brand with, you know, a lot of funding and was going to take the market by storm. It was very grassroots, you know, brick by brick from the ground up approach, which I think people really respected. Um, And, you know, you look at where we're at now with our our social media, it's, you know, we've built the largest online hot sauce brand. Um, We have the largest, you know, Instagram following of any hot sauce on the marketplace. And we've created this cult following of, you know, truff friends that, you know, they're, they're not only our customers, but we have private groups um, of people that really just enjoy the product and they enjoy sharing and creating, you know, new relationships. Yeah, it definitely seems like you guys have, you know, big product 
evangelists, um, you know, both from the community aspect and from the quality of the product itself. How did you guys develop the product? Um, so we did have some experience. Um, I, we had mentioned the powdered beverage brand. We learned a lot about like R and D, um, and and the way we I guess learned about that was Google, <laughs> and and uh, like beverage school. We took a you know an online beverage school through Bevnet years ago, and other other than that, you kind of just kind of go piece by piece, right? You start with nothing, and you know maybe you go to a film company to make the labels and they say, oh, this place makes bottles and the bottles say, oh, this place fills bottles. And then, you know, the co-packer says, this place makes this. And so you kind of just got to connect the dots with Truff. I think, you know, we were very scrappy with how we developed this. We you know, reached out to the, the network we did have in, in the food space and sourced very high quality ingredients. And then just Nick and I sat there for a year and a half mixing different ingredients together until we got what we wanted basically and what we thought other people would enjoy and then from there we kind of put some feelers out and got some people tasting it and got people's feedback and but other than that I don't think there's you know if we had sent this to a food lab or or a development company of some sort I'm not sure we would have gotten you know the ultra unique product that we we ended up with yeah um, you, you bring up the the bottles and the labels and all that, and, and I'd encourage like anyone who's listening that hasn't had the opportunity to even just take a look at the product and the packaging, you know, the branding and packaging are much different than all the other brands in this category. Um, what really inspired uh, that branding, and what would you say the pillars of the Truff brand are? So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we wanted the outside of the bottle to be as good as the inside of the bottle. We didn't want generic off-the-shelf packaging. Um, one of our team members, John Buscemi, he's a, a luxury sneaker um, designer amongst many other things. And, you know, he kind of urged us to, you know, go Lux, like go a little more Lux than we want. Um, you know, we have a custom bottle that does not look like any of the other hot sauce bottles. Our cap is is designed to look like a modern take on what a truffle, a black truffle is, you know, for our black truffle version. And, we did a, a very simple job of putting our brand name right down the front of the bottle. And the brand name itself is meant to explain what's in the bottle. So we we wanted to be as simple, but it's very hard to be simple. But we, we made a really conscious effort to have packaging that could articulate exactly what it is that we created. And we also wanted it to be elegant and, and pop on, on social media. and. I think we took a lot of inspiration from brands like, you know, high high in alcohol, for example, with a lifestyle. So a good example of that is Ciroc. In during our time in college, that was, I'd say, the leading lifestyle alcohol brand. If you know, they they kind of took over the college scene, and you know, we wanted to apply a lot of those principles to hot sauce, for example. Hot sauce has a space in uh, in pop culture uh, that seems like like it kind of came out of nowhere you know with like hot ones and and stuff like that and it and and how it fits into like this streetwear and pop culture arena why do you think that uh you know hot sauce found its way into this category i i think with with hot sauce it's extremely unique when you're thinking of you know pop culture and especially in los angeles you know you have a melting pot of people from all over the world and a lot of times the common ground that people have is food. 
and you know within food to dive in deeper you could look at different cultures and i think spice is kind of a reoccurring attribute to you know this cuisine that a lot of people are sharing and i think it started to become something more than just adding heat to your food it's it's more of you know a way people could come together and they have something in common and you know hot sauce there there's so many different variations of that and it kind of led people on this journey of you know becoming these chili heads which you know you call like you know hot sauce fanatics um which has been very interesting to see i'd also add that eating hot sauce is like a journey it's like a thrill you you take a bite and you know you're you might sweat there's a suspenseful aspect it's it's hard you like you earn that meal and i think a lot of people enjoy the challenge of hot sauce and you know it's scandalous in a way it's like risque to to love hot sauce and you know it plays on people's kind of daredevilish tendencies to really want to indulge in something that's a little bit challenging and you can do that every time you eat and everyone eats three times a day minimum or you know unless you're intermittent fasting or whatever so <laughs> it's like you know it's like a it's an easy way to be it's almost like a gamble every bite you know you know what you're eating obviously and you know how hot that sauce technically would be but at the same time like it's a thrill it adds thrill and it's not just on like a visual level but it's also like on a sensory level yeah you know you can find truff in the places you'd expect like like grocery stores or directly from you guys online or select grocery stores um but you can also find your product in like boutique clothing stores for example um and which i which i thought was really unique and i just wanted you guys to kind of talk through where your focus lies when it comes to distribution and what your kind of thesis is when it comes to you know being accessible everywhere or is it more about being exclusive I think we'll probably both take a stab at this. I think when we launched, um, the goal was actually to not be in a lot of retail. It was more so to build our brand online. But when we did work with retailers, we wanted it to be accounts that fit kind of our ethos and our you know understanding of who we were. And so we were lucky to work with brands and retailers like Neiman Marcus early on. And we have some great accounts here in LA early on, like Wally's and Beverly Hills and... Um, you know, stores like Dean and DeLuca and kind of the higher end of, of retail. And that was great because it kind of uh, validated our product and our brand. And um, it kind of set the stage for us to be able to kind of grow, but, you know, not have to rely so much on, like, we didn't want to scale into 500 grocery stores and hope it worked at, you know, a $17, $18 price point in a category where, you know, most hot sauces are maybe five or six or seven on the high end. And so with that, you know, after that kind of we proved out that higher price point in those places, that's when we started to, you know, get a little wider with, you know, stores like Whole Foods and Wegmans and uh, Central Market and whatnot. And so now we're at a point where I think we've hit enough awareness to where we can hop into some of the more traditional grocery stores and shoppers will know what we are. And even though it might be a little bit pricier, you know, they're not going to be turned off because we've done our job online of really explaining what the product is. And, you know, we've seen that happen. The only thing I would add is, you know, when we were looking at positioning our product, we wanted to be in places that were almost like influential and impactful and fit well within pop culture. 
Um, so like, for example, Nick mentioned like Wally's in Beverly Hills, like that's a really cool wine and cheese store. But we also looked at some of these smaller fashion spots like RSVP Gallery, uh, Mohawk General Store, Voodoo Los Angeles, high-end boutique, luxury, streetwear, retailers. And, you know, when you, when you go into a lot of these stores, like, you know, Kith in New York, for example, you know, they have things that are just very cool and very unique. And that's kind of the area that we also wanted to be in as well. Out of curiosity, do you guys sell to restaurants or just consumers? We, we sell to some. Um, that's not really a, a, a priority. It's more so just accommodating demand. But for us, we, we like if we are selling into a restaurant in a larger size, like a gallon or whatnot, we do like to make sure there's like some type of brand activity attached, whether it's like a menu item or the bottles are for sale somewhere um, in like a little shop area or something that just brings attention to the truck brand because we're not really like an ingredient for the back of the house. We're more so like we want the brand to be get the exposure in those environments. And so um, that's always been kind of the criteria if we do make our way into the restaurant space. So how do you guys think about potential line and product extensions and what what insights do you guys use when you're thinking about uh, potentially approaching a new category? I think when we, we kind of look at, you know, the brand that we're building in the initial hero product, which, you know, is our, our black truffle hot sauce, we see a lot of opportunity in other spaces and you know to to some people you know it might be obvious for a brand like ours to create a truffle ketchup and a truffle mustard and a truffle ranch and just get really wide really quick but for us i think our our focus has always been listening to the feedback of our customers um you know listening to to what they want from us listening to our retail partners looking at you know the data um, in certain categories and really trying to find a way to create a product that will have that same experience and that same high quality feel um, from not only the recipe but the entire thing bottom up and you know that that next category that we did look at was uh, pasta sauce when we look at you know, potentially doing something new. It's the whole focus is making sure that that end product is gonna be phenomenal. We don't wanna just make products and put truffle in them and say they're good. We wanna truly develop a insane sensory experience for, you know, the customer. And pasta is a, a category that, A, we love pasta and millions and millions of people love it too. But B, um, you know, there's not a ton of, differentiation um, aside from a couple of brands and you know what we found when we went to try and develop something is that we were able to achieve what we thought was an incredible experience for for making pasta and so we're excited to launch these SKUs and for us the whole thinking was you know a lot of people use pasta sauce and especially even now more than ever with with the pandemic people cooking at home it's a very frequent in category. So um, since we were able to achieve what we wanted to, we, we, we went with it and um, we're very excited to kind of see the response. Yeah, I actually, I'm glad you hit on um, 
on the pandemic and people cooking at home. And I wanted to talk about if you guys have seen any, you know, significant increase in your guys' sales. I mean, our last, my last podcast episode um, was about the luxury market, and you know, your brand fits fits the bill in being a luxury product. Um, and a lot of people might not think that people are going to be spending more on luxury purchases right now, but with people, yeah, with people cooking from home, have you seen any significant increase? Yeah, we've we've definitely seen accelerated growth through the pandemic. And that was kind of a huge question that we had, you know, building a, a premium hot sauce brand, you know, what happens in a recession? What happens if, you know, people um, start to look at every dollar that's going out of their pocket a little bit closer? And, you know, we actually saw a lot of growth and we've been able to, to grow um, during these difficult times. I think also we were we were at the crossroads of you know ecom right so we were very established online um and our fulfillment was ready and i mean we were we were positioned for being direct to consumer and it just so happened that during this kind of world disaster people had to cook at home and and i think a lot of people were not spending money where they usually were with like going out and entertainment and you know ubers or whatever um and it seemed like a lot of people transitioned to just shopping online and it kind of made sense to, to look at items that would add to their home cooked meals. So I think we got very lucky in that sense. Yeah. And I know you guys outside of Instagram, you've seen um, a lot of success running ads on Snap. Could you guys talk me through your strategy and results there and the audience that you're reaching on Snap? Yeah. So... You know, we've, we've built out um, a very interesting media buying strategy. And essentially what we do is you know, any channel that we see has the opportunity to run ads, we'll test it. And, you know, if we start to see success, we'll kind of dive in deeper. With Snapchat, for example, you know, this was obviously a lot younger of a, of a demographic out the gate compared to your typical Facebook or Instagram and you know typically when you're running like ads and in the luxury market for example you're going to want to make sure everything's very highly produced and you know it's very polished um but we started testing raw video creatives you know that were either shot on iPhone or produced and, and edited um for iPhone mobile first and we found that you know we started seeing a lot of success and you know people were engaging with our brand on a personal level not necessarily because it was this crazy luxury high-end product but just because they really resonated with the message and the content that we were putting out um so we found you know another viable channel to build relationships with our customers um and you know generate revenue you know, while we're on the the topic of, you know, younger demo social platforms, um, how are you guys thinking about and approaching uh, TikTok? So TikTok for us was kind of like, you know, this new platform that not a lot of people really understood. It was this algorithm that, you know, allowed people to go viral overnight and amass these large followings. So for us, it was more of just you know, let's kind of test this platform out um, without any real expectations. And, 
we found that, you know, us just putting, putting out content that was very authentic, very raw, finding creators that we could develop these organic relationships with, seeding product to influencers across the platform. And we saw, you know, over six or seven months, a lot of success and a lot of growth. And we, you know, developed the, the largest Instagram, I'm sorry, the largest TikTok following um, out of any hot sauce brand on TikTok. And this was an entire new category and an entire new audience compared to, you know, Instagram and Facebook, um, which was very interesting to us. And it's a platform that we continue to invest a lot of time into. As, as the, as you know, the demo um, of TikTok changes and, and the audience there, it, are you seeing anything um, that you're having to change in the creative as you approach making new TikTok content? Not, not so much in the creative. I think it's more of now we have a platform that isn't just, you know, younger kids and, you know, younger teens. Like there's a lot of adults now on the platform. Mm-hmm. So I think it's like trying to create um, content and messaging that hits every chord for, for everyone. Um, so, you know, we'll continue to test different angles of content but the majority of the stuff that we put out is user generated content that will have creators um, make, actually they make it on their own and we essentially just repurpose it. Thank you guys so much for, for joining me today and, and sharing your story. If people wanna reach out to you personally, um, or I mean, we obviously talked about where to find Truff, but how, how can people reach out to you and, and stay in contact with you and follow your story? So you could find our Instagram account. It's at sauce, S-A-U-C-E. TikTok is at Truff Hot Sauce. My personal is at Nictor G, N-I-C-T-O-R-G on Instagram. My personal is at A-J-L-U-N-I. Cool. Well, congrats, uh, you guys, on the success. And I wish you guys continued success. And thanks again for uh, joining me today. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us. It was fun. Thanks for listening to the Gen CEOs podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to check out adweek.com slash Gen CEOs for the latest episodes and hashtag Gen CEOs on Twitter to join the conversation. This episode was produced by Heidi Palermo with audio production from Josh Rios. Our theme music is by Marcus Horan. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email me at nick.gardner at adweek.com. I'm your host, Nick Gardner. See you next time.